Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Doing good, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. We've got a beautiful sunny day today, 20 degrees. It's like a nice. winter's Joburg's day. <laughs> so are you still getting used to that uh, temperature change? Yeah, it's 20 degrees, probably around the 60s for you, 66, I think, Fahrenheit. Um, but uh, 20 degrees in Joburg, people wearing jerseys and scarves and beanies. Beanies? Here's this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like a... a, a yeah, um, we call them that too. I just, it's a little warm for, for a hat. Oh, no, that's cold. That's cold for Joburg. It's... Uh, 20 degrees. Joburg is in winter at the moment, and they're 22 degrees. <laughs> so... Well, I take that right anyway. now. <laughs> <laughs> we we're a little colder here. So. Good. Um, so we shared some stuff with each other. And I'm just getting it up now. Um, I didn't look at your, your YouTube video about deepfakes, but I did send you um, the podcast episode around it. And this was around creating avatars. Um, and I really, really like the guy's idea of creating an avatar now and minting it, so like an NFT, and then you can use it in the future as a way to authenticate yourself when you do your passport, your driver's license, all that kind of stuff, In and not just in the digital world, but also in the real world. Um, but instead of having to go sit in the DMV line uh, or the DVLA line here in UK or the traffic department in South Africa, you are connecting on with your minted avatar and you've been validated and you're getting your new license or passport or body document, whatever. And I thought that was such a clever use case for the metaverse that actually makes sense beyond buying fake assets. Yeah, I thought so. The backing up a second, the um the whole avatar. So I feel like part of what we're talking about is the technology that would make these avatars more possible, these hyper-realistic versions of ourselves. So, um, and part of that, so there's a the potential for companies working on the same technology, you know, the, the deep fake type technology. And this went, went viral on social media with this, company who was um, doing these deep fakes of Tom Cruise that were um, really hard mm. to distinguish from, you know, what was, what was real and what was not. And applying that technology in the metaverse, um, essentially as an NFT of yourself um, to do all the things you just mentioned and, and whatever else um, and to own that version of yourself as a like as your security as your privacy mechanism right so people aren't um 
going around as a copy of you. So yeah, I thought that was super interesting. And the kind of what we've been talking about around like like a digital hologram and digital avatars and getting past sort of the cartoonish or even the uncanny valley stage of your digital self. Yeah, I mean that. That's if you look at how how um, computer games have changed over the last, well, I'll probably say twenty years. Um, in fact, probably a little bit more than that. I mean, if you think think back to, and you might be, I might dare say, you're younger, too young for this. But if you think about the sort of two D block character um, games like Shoot Larry and Police Quest and Space Quest and and those things that evolved quite quickly into first-person shooters and 3D environments like Grand Theft Auto and and those things to very real-looking games like uh, Gears of War or um, what's the popular one now? It's a war game that a lot of people play. Um, not not Elden Ring? Counter-Strike. No, no, uh, mm. It's Counter-Strike? <laughs> might be Counter-Strike. And then you see it how in, in movies, and I'm thinking about um, a few movies where the, the graphic rendering is so so granular. You can see the, the different strands of hair. And you take all those things, add it together, and you and you now start mimicking people, which is what they do with the deepfakes. Um, it's it, you, you can't believe that it's you know, with, and especially with the, with the cloud compute that's available. And, and more and more that's become available every day. And even just your compute and your fire and the 5G that's that's coming, you, you can't believe that, that the metaverse versions, the different digital worlds aren't far away. They, they have to be close. Um, you can go and buy a Quest 2 headset for $250-$300, which if, if, that, if it were a train ticket would cost me for a month into London, it's about the same amount. Um, and I, and I live in a fairly, I don't want to say cheap, because I might get hurt by that, but a, a reasonably priced area um, to commute to London. There's places where you pay a lot more, obviously. Um, but to save, to, to, to have that comp- thing where I, I might go to London one day a week, one day, you know, four times a month, and pay 20, 30 pounds, um, but I can do most of my other stuff with a headset that I paid 300 pounds for, whatever it is that's really appealing and talk to someone like you and i are talking now but but physically look as you look because the cameras could do all that sort of stuff remember we talked about connect i think that's really interesting uh especially when you go into training and education um you know getting people off site for five days yes there's, there's definitely tangible value to physically together but if you want to just practice something that you saw at a training thing and you just put your headset back on and you go into that training environment and you do something, I think that's really cool. And I think that's where this stuff will really take off. And it is already taking off in some respects. Yeah, I think the potential is really interesting in the, in the cost savings element as well. I mean, if you think about hybrid work and remote employees and bringing everyone, like let's say you have a mostly or your full remote workforce, right? A lot of companies are, there are, you know, companies that do that as well, but they bring employees together 
um, a few times a year. Maybe that's not the best example because you probably still do that. Maybe something a little bit more in the hybrid realm where it's expensive to fly employees to a location to meet up, right? Um, and it would be cheaper to spend headsets. Yeah, there's still value for sure. You know, and you, and you definitely don't want to lose that. But I think if you can, it's 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 the repeatability things that are, that make it the most interesting. Um, I think I sent you another podcast from the Restless Ones, where they were talking about um, dissection, and by having the having the ability to dissect a frog and play with it in a virtual environment. Um, that that really got the education levels, what's the word, um, stimulated. Because there's a kid that could now go and practice dissecting a frog 10 times and have the, um, this almost do it at home, do it at school, do it at their own speed. And, and and learn different things because while they're doing that, they are playing with the, with this specimen. They're not actually directing the real thing, um, but they also can now go into other dissections that are also on the system. So now they do a, a, a dissection of frog, and they want to do a dissection of a locust, and the locust is a really small insect in comparison. Because it's all virtualized, you can go, you can zoom in and do the, do the insect. Um, dissect an ant, which is even smaller. Um, things that you just wouldn't be able to do in the real real world. And I think that's what what I'm very excited about now after listening to that episode. The uh, one that caught my attention was the astronomy one. Um, mm. like sending sending you into into the stars, uh, into space on a I think they had it like designed like a a Star Trek ship, but um I don't know. Yeah, all those educational or even, you know, applications in art museums, um, history museums, the experiential side is really cool. And I'm kind of jealous that, um, you know, I would I, I didn't have that in my education. It makes you want well, to um, be able to experience it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because we, we actually are looking at a school for my son at the moment. And one of the things that appeals to me about the school is how open they are to these sorts of technologies and stuff. And they're a small school, so so they probably say it's easier for them to do. It's still going to cost money, um, but they can spend it because they're a smaller school. They can invest in ten headsets. Um, whereas if you've got a big school like a government school, where where you know per class you're looking at thirty, forty kids per teacher, this is ten kids to to one teacher, um, that barrier to entry is a lot smaller. And for that, you know, the, the level of knowledge and grasping and, and exploring things will be greater. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how it all goes. Yeah, definitely. But I think the convergence of technologies is also incredibly interesting. Just think about how those, you know, between because that, I feel like it, it kind of clicked for me between all of the the things that you said, the um, you know the applications in education and in work and kind of beyond the mm. like 
video gamey or like entertainment use cases, right? For metaverse, you know, thinking about attending a virtual conference in Fortnite. Um, I don't get that excited about that kind of a use case, but these other ones where, you know, to your point about dissecting an ant, um, that is really cool. And then the oh. things behind that, yeah. I mean, I mean, I wrote down a few ideas I had, and I was thinking about things like when I studied electrical circuits and stuff, I really couldn't get my head around you know, some of the concepts because you, you it, it takes a while to get your head around all that. So the, 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 the concept that electricity is moving through a circuit and it'll take the path of least resistance, you could now be like in that movie Inner Space, this little molecule that goes along the electrical circuit and follows it and goes through resistance and goes through a light bulb and goes through a switch. All those things, you can experience that stuff. So when you start understanding the equations and how that all works, you can, expl- you can, you can see how your equations impact the circuit you're in as a physical entity uh, or physical a virtualized entity inside a, a virtualized world and i think that's what you know those are the opportunities that i think are far more interesting um i know we keep saying that but it's it's really like with my kids getting older i'm thinking well that's an investment now originally i thought it was a toy um but you know this this frog dissection app that, that, that the guy was talking about that that's that exists right now um, you know, the, I expect in, in five years' time you'll have a thousand apps that are like that, and then that exponentially grow. So it gets very interesting very quickly. Definitely makes me jump to uh, the scale, the scale of those apps and app marketplaces, and um, you know, educational subscriptions or like this. What the software side of all of that looks like. And even manageability, like hardware age. I don't know. <laughs> my my brain's jumping to like the. Um, but that's the but, IT but side kind of. I mean, if you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you think about it, so so a lot of these systems, and you and you've seen it already with the gaming world. You've you've had Microsoft with their gaming service, Google with their gaming service, Sony with their gaming service. Um, that's your that's your cloud compute, and most of the processing is going to sit on that side. Um. You will will then rely on on a good network connection, so so fiber to the home, which will be replaced by five G. Um, so that there's your throughput, and then on the device, there's still some rendering that needs to happen and some processing. But but the average devices that are coming out are pretty powerful, um, and 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 this and the the GPUs that are are available. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing mobile phones with with built-in graphics cards of a, of some sort of graphic chips if they aren't already there. Uh, and you can cheat a little bit when you when you design the games for the phone. Um, but now, if you if you look at an Xbox or a PS, uh, a PlayStation, um, those things are, are pretty easy to, to push push out. They're not they're not again not too expensive, sort of between three to five hundred dollars. But again, if you're plugging on this contraption, so let's say you spend a thousand bucks. Now that's obviously you know, not for everyone, but those prices will come down over time and you'll be able to buy secondhand ones, refurbished ones, et cetera. But if you think about the educational game, you know, your your child or yourself learning a new skill because you've got access to it, that that thousand pound, thousand dollar investment may return an extra, you know, five, ten percent on your salary because you've gained something or your next job or something like that. So 
you know, I think it's very doable. Um, and I think the, um, the, the crux of it for me is it's the start of a wave that's coming and it's going to come crashing down around all of us and we get flooded by these things. And all of a sudden you'll be sent a, a corporate device, which will be, you know, not a laptop anymore, but a, a headset of some sort to use. And maybe that's, you know, 10 years away, 20 years away, but I still feel like it's close enough that we could, we could be using it. Yeah. I think the potential certainly seems like it's there. I would like to see a revival of Google Glass. I think, I think we're ready. We're, we're at, we've well, reached the point where we're well, ready. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of rumors around the Apple Glass equivalent. Mm. Um, and the price on that, again, not too bad, you know, between $300 and $500. Now, if you think a pair of sunglasses, depending on what you buy, you know, it's 100 to 200 A phone is, you know, up as, you know between that and the, up to 1000 let's say. Um, that's a reasonable price. If it means you're carrying one less thing and it's on your head, you know, that, that's got a convenience factor. So, so the, yeah, again, I think those things are coming um, matter of matter of time. Uh, once they crack, whatever they need to crack. And I think one of the biggest problems with, with a lot of these things is battery power. Once they once they sort that out um, or get it to a, a reasonable amount of time, I mean, you look at the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch, the first version, only used to last 18 hours. The newer versions are almost a day, day and a half. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, when your watch goes, when your watch goes dead, um, you realize how much you use the thing. It happened to me on Sunday. Um, so so I think that's where it'll come from. I think the technology, the other stuff, the chip, the processing, the, the, the writing, the software, I think that's actually already achieved. Um, it's the hardware problem. Hardware and then... Um Productivity, right? The the ability uh, unlock with five G. Um, well, I, I think you can get away with four G um, mm. for some of the stuff, uh, and it, and it depends on what we're talking about. So, if you look at AR and VR, uh, well, not so much VR, more more AR stuff. That's usually points on a map, um, and uh, to begin with. So, you know, when I'm in this area. What's, what's important about this area? And it, and it could be from a commuting point of view, it could be deals and something, uh, whatever it is. Uh, the second thing that becomes uh, important is is uh, recognition of objects. So seeing the the bus stop in front of you and then, and then, and then processing and giving you the, the appropriate bus schedule, that sort of stuff. That That's where the community becomes a big deal. And, you know, I have to I have to laugh at this. You know, South Africa, for all its third worldness, has a better cell phone network than, than the UK. Um I, I struggle here all every day if I'm on my phone. Like if I do a Teams call or whatever, it just it just doesn't hold the signal. Whereas in, in South Africa, yes, there were some some bad spots, but most part I was on four G pretty much everywhere and it's pretty stable. Uh, and there's better networks versus each other. I mean, I don't know, I'm one of the worst networks. Um, so, but, but, you know, if, if the, the device, so you've got your phone, which is your intelligent device, if that's got, if that knows where you are in the sense that you're going to be in the UK and in a certain part of the UK, and it's pre, pre-downloading the data that it needs, route maps and, and all that kind of stuff, 
and there's a bit that's where the machine learning comes in and, and all these these phones have 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 some level of capability in them already to do machine learning you're not really going to connections all the time uh to to a central processing area you're just using the data you've got in front of you and you're displaying it now there is a need in some cases for the live data live bus data um but that's not a lot that's not a large packet of data you're talking less than a couple hundred kilobytes i think yeah, maybe 150, maybe 200, which you should be able to get away with on a 3G or a 4G connection. Um, when you start processing images, that's when you need the big compute because you need to send the image up and get it back. Yeah, and I guess there's less of a uh, emotion sickness type element when it comes to a a wearable that's not like a, yeah, like an AR. Uh, Mixed reality wearable is a little bit more tolerant, I think, of uh, of that than a, a VR. It's your whole um, experience. Yeah, and, and we've been experimenting with AR for a long time. I mean, there were many pho- there's many phone apps you can get where, you, where right. you put up the camera and you can see stuff. And as I said, I think the technology is there. It's the issues, the hardware, the battery, and and the, and the aesthetics has got to look good. I think that was Google Glass's biggest failing. It just looked crap. It looked like something from a 1980s movie. Um, it has charm. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like spy kidsy. Yeah, and, and that's the point. I mean, you look at, you just look at something as trivial now through the pandemic of people wearing masks. Most people were, didn't want to wear masks, not because the, they didn't believe the masks were going to save them for anything. They didn't like, they didn't like looking weird. Um, and this is my opinion. I mean, I haven't really done any fact checking on this, but I know I know certain people that have told me they didn't like wearing a mask with them. They didn't like they didn't wear, like the way it made them look or feel, um, and then they didn't believe the science after that as well. Like, what's it really going to do? This particle so small and get through the mask. Um, and and if the glasses don't look good, or you get comments on wearing the glasses, then that kills them straight away. It, it should be to the level that when you wear like you're wearing reading glasses now. You shouldn't know that they're smart glasses with non versus non smart glasses. They should just be glasses. Mm-hmm. Now that that might be, there might be a reason to to show a difference, like like a, a private information or personal information point of view that you're wearing glasses and got a camera on them. Um, but I wouldn't expect that to be in the in the glasses to begin with. I'd expect that to be taken out. Um, but you might see, and I mean, this is you know, I remember show twenty. 30 years ago called Beyond 2000. Um, and they had smart glasses then. And you could actually see the text on the lens of the glass. Um, so you might be able to see that. As if I was a you know, I might see a little square rectangle of text scrolling while we're talking uh, of your SMSs coming through or your WhatsApps or, or whatever it is. Um, that might be the only indication that you're wearing them. But beyond that, I think it should look like any normal set. Mm. It would be really, really interesting to get into the point where it could be a contact lens and then it would be very hard to tell, to detect. I, I, I would probably go more than Neuralink route at that point. I'd probably, I'd probably go where, where Musk is going with, with plugging mm. in your head. Um, I, I still think that's the, that's the holy grail because um, then you, your only technology is biotic, um, which you should have to maintain it, but it, it's it's yeah it's just a different level completely 
But I don't want to be the first one for that. I'll wait till a billion people have had that thing injected first. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, the the unknowns there um, are a little little uh, hard to get over unless you're really willing to be a pioneer. Uh, a tough subject for that. Yeah, some think, people yeah, will be. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, there'll be crusaders and, and, and we need them. Um, I just, uh, I, I would love it. You know, I read a lot of books, a lot, a lot of science fiction, and they talk about it and all the rest of it. And you think, yeah, I would make, when I say make life very simple, I think you would you'd need to have boundaries um, on how it happens, part of your life, et cetera. And I think that's a long way away. Um, but you know, not having to carry a phone with you would be great. If it was all, all integrated into your system. Yeah, but then you can also never. It's like if you have, like, let's say you get, you feel like you're addicted to your device, right? There's always the potential to to shut your phone away. Um, if the temptation is embedded in you, right, to um, to go into the metaverse or to play a game or to check social media or whatever, and you can't ever, um, I mean, beyond getting the thing uninstalled. <laughs> um, I don't know. Just interesting to think through yeah, that's, that as well. And that's why I say it's got, it's got to be, um, the boundaries have to be there. You have to have the ability to, to block things out and, mm. you know, set those rules and, and all that kind of stuff because it, it can very easily become, uh, as you say, addictive, and, that, and that's that's always the risk with these things. And there's there's people that that shouldn't have these kinds of things for that exact reason. But let's talk more. Yeah, about, let's keep to the fun stuff more. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's 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 really cool. The things that people are doing are really interesting, and um, just a matter of are we five years away from more people experiencing some of it 10 years away, 20 years away from aspects of it. Like how, how quickly will these things become more normalized? And it's always hard to see, you know, I think it was funny growing up. Um, my, my father was hesitant. He like held us back from buying CDs because he's like, they always are DVDs. He's like, they always come out with a new one of these. We're just going to like skip this iteration, right. From like VHS to, skip over DVDs to whatever's next. And we, we ended up, you know, getting a DVD player and, and obviously that lasted quite a while. Um, but, uh, there's that aspect of it. Um, as well. it's funny you mentioned DVDs because I was, we've, we've, the car we got has a DVD player in it and, um, we wanted to try it out with the kids. So I said to my wife, let's go into the local shop and let's get one. Cause they don't sell DVDs anymore. And I mean, DVDs were, before we left the UK, you could buy them at any shop, um, and they're completely gone. Um, you can't even buy CDs anymore. You, like if you want the stuff, you have to go to a secondhand shop. That's the only place to find them, and the, and their value is nothing. Uh, we're talking 50 p per pound for a disc, and I remember buying a single disc for twelve, fifteen pounds. Um, it's just crazy. Um, I do need to run. Um, my, my next call started. It was good to catch up. This was a fun one. I enjoyed talking yeah. about this futuristic stuff. For sure.
very interesting to think about. Alrighty. Talk to you later. Super. Cheers, Heather. Talk to you soon. Cheers, Heather. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.